off another episode of me maintenance turfnet's initiative on personal wellness our guest today is paul hurst aka at greens pro the man of many hats husband of the lovely christy father to nicholas madison and molly and dog father to lila musician one half of midlife duo COVID lockdown performer, instructor in the classic So You Want to Be a Sales Guy video series, and an honoree of the TurfNet 2021 Jerry Coldiron Award for Joy and Positivity. That is right. And arguably the most interesting man in turf these days. Ah, welcome, Paul. Hey, I am so happy to be here, Peter. This is fantastic. Thank you for having me and uh, that introduction. Uh, all I can ever say to anyone is, "Who knew?" I I, I had no idea. So it, it's been it's well, been a we're good gonna run. get we're gonna finish up with that today, I think. So, <laughs> so the reason why I reached out to you um, was that you had posted a tweet last week, and I'll put it up on the screen here, and it, okay. it caught my eye for a number of reasons. It was sort of a laundry list of experiences that you've had. Um, perhaps risks that you've taken, uh, putting yourself out there a little bit. Um, so I thought I'd like to, I'd like to pick through those with you, uh, you know, with an eye toward building on experience, risk reward, uh, putting yourself out there and positive growth, which right. is uh, part of what me maintenance is all about. First one, mowed lawns as a kid. My buddy Jeff Lakovich and I had a unbelievable business at the age of, you know, 14 and a half, 15, 13 years old. Uh, I think we had 42 lawns at one point, which, uh, you know, you do the wow. math. Yeah, we mowed five or six a day. Uh, God love my father. I would wear the wheels off the push mower, uh, the amount of fuel that my dad would buy, uh, the, the string trimmer string. Uh, but it was quite the uh, it was quite the the business back then, and this was long before all these guys were buying trailers and walk behind mowers. Uh, I often think that had I stuck with that uh, and grown that business, that that could have been uh, quite a business back then. But uh, mowing lawns was my first taste of uh, of how grass uh, could could pay the bills. So yeah. But you also developed a work ethic which obviously served you well uh, down the road. My, my experience of mowing lawn was much less sophisticated than yours. Mine was my own home lawn and one other one down the end of the road, to which for which I got paid five bucks. There you go. And this was this was using my uh, the old my father's lawn boy. There you go. Two cycle side oh, yeah. discharge with that side bagger thing that hung off there that was in oh, yeah. this was before the days of uh rear baggers and that thing was just a disaster i you know probably because it it probably had uh uh straight fuel put in it more than once but oh yeah uh, oh yeah in any case again taught uh you know taught me a little bit of a work ethic and responsibility and right. all that stuff right 
Let's move on to the next one. College job at a golf course. Where'd you go to school? So uh, I went to the, the University of Missouri. I like to say the. that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, no, Mizzou. So in Columbia, Missouri, uh, you know, went up there in uh, 1988. Uh, and then I had a full load my first two years as a freshman and sophomore. And then as uh, the, my degree went along, I had uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays off. And my father uh, was not happy at all the fact that I had that time and he felt that I should, should uh, get a job even though I was taking 15, 18 hours. But I'll never forget, I walked into the maintenance uh, building at A.L. Gustin Golf Course. Isaac Brewer is there now. You'll see him on Twitter occasionally. He's a big yeah. hunter, big guy with uh, native landscaping and uh, naturalizing the golf course. But I knocked on that door and of course, the superintendent answered and I said, hey, uh, do you need any help out here? And the guy hired me on the spot. Uh, and then over the next two years, finishing up my original degree, I, I just fell in love with being outside, uh, being part of golf. Uh, but it really happened. It was kind of serendipitous that, that I just showed up at Gustin one day and started working. Well, there you go. That's where you're, you're in my histories diverged just a little bit because I have never worked a day on a golf course but your next one was changed your major correct from what from what to what well I had big plans on being a lawyer uh and I was a political science major which was almost the same as saying I don't know what the major in but I figured I would go on and try to be a, a lawyer uh but I was very concerned about my ability to pass the LSAT and to this day I would probably tell you there's no way I could pass that test uh, I had met Christy, uh, and then I had met beyond the golf course superintendent. I had met an ex superintendent who would, I don't know if more professional is, is the term, but a guy who had taken his level as a golf course superintendent to a, 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 a level I didn't know about worked at a high end country club in St. Louis, uh, told me that I could go to uh, school at the university of Missouri and get a plant science degree. And I could parlay that into a, uh, a job down the road at a, at a golf course as a superintendent or an assistant superintendent. And uh, at that point, uh, I had finished up my poli-sci degree, 120 hours. Uh, Christy and I had gotten married and I re-signed back up at the University of Missouri for another 96 hours uh, to get my degree in plant science. Uh, so how old were you when you met Christy? So Christy and I, I think I had just, I was 20. No, I was 19 when I met Christy. Yeah. So that's the first, yeah, that's the first girl. Uh, she came as a sophomore, but the, the first guy she met in the dorms uh, was me. So we're kind of dorm dorks. Uh, so we met in the dorms and uh, dated throughout uh, college. And then the second I graduated with my first degree, we were married that, that spring. Nice. My yeah. wife and I were 19 as well. There you go. That yeah. was uh, 48 years ago. I love it. I love it. We're celebrating 30 in May. So we've been yeah, married 30 been, years. We've been married 44 years and uh, years. together 40 or not together, but dating. Right. 48. Yeah. You're still dating, right? Yes, of course right. you have to. Mm -hmm. But right. interestingly, I changed my major too. I started okay. out not in law, but in pre-med. Okay for lack of anything better. 
but <laughs> I, I went to Rutgers and I was one of a thousand guys in there, people in that pre-med curriculum for wow. freshman year. Yeah. Second year, there were a hundred left. Right. There was a 90% attrition rate in that. And I, uh, yep. I transferred across town to the ag school to major or to major in plant science and business management, which served me well. Right. So next one on the list, you toiled as an assistant. I did. I did. Uh, for six years, uh, the university, uh, two years into me working there, uh, before I even got my degree, uh, created a position, an assistant superintendent position at A.L. Gustin, uh, which was awesome. Uh, the salary wasn't great, but the key was uh, they paid for 75% of my tuition. So, wow. yeah, to Dave Cox, the superintendent that was there, to Rich Poe, the golf pro, those were the guys that uh, fought for me along the way uh, and, and helped me get that position as assistant. And of course, the second I graduate, what do I do? I I leave those guys and I, I come to St. Louis and I took a job as an assistant at St. Clair Country Club in Belleville. Uh, worked under the best guy in the business in my mind, Mike Karen, who's now at Meadowbrook here in St. Louis. Uh, but interesting fact about St. Clair, uh, Bob Golby, who recently passed, uh, was a member there. Uh, Jay Haas, Jerry Haas, uh, Frank Connor, uh, Frank Connor, I think, is the only guy to ever play in a U.S. Open in tennis and a U.S. Open in golf. Really? And then, of course, yeah, Jimmy Connors was the other member there. So that little club in Belleville, uh, which is an old Langford Moreau design, uh, 1911, was, uh, was a fantastic place uh, to be an assistant superintendent. Hmm. Yeah, so that was six years I, uh, I dreamt of uh, finally getting, uh, you know, the big job, so. Well, the big jobs were probably probably came a little quicker back in those days than a lot of guys wait today. But um, so agree. then you were superintendent for 10 years. Correct. At St. Clair. So uh, they hired me right after Mike uh, came over here to St. Louis at Meadowbrook. And I spent 10 years uh, being a golf course superintendent there. Uh, and it was uh, it was a fantastic run. Uh, great people, uh, good club. They treated Christy and I very well. Uh, and then I had an opportunity to, uh, to, to go off and start a business with uh, the guy who was calling on me, you know, my sales rep at St. Clair. He and I and two other guys partnered up uh, to start Greens Pro. So that's, that's how that evolved into that. So that was a new business at the time. Correct. Yeah. Greens Pro, uh, absolutely out of the ether. Uh, we had worked for a company briefly, a company called Turfgrass. Uh, they were taken over. Original. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But they were bought up by Residex, uh, which was on the East Coast. But uh, kind of, a, it, was, it was a good time for us to make a break. Uh, so uh, Jeff Baxter, uh, Rich Carlson, Mark Slaughter, and uh, another guy, Tyler Fischel, all decided uh, that we were going to roll the dice and start a business. Uh, my favorite story I tell about that particular instance is we all had to come up with close to a hundred grand to start the business. Well, fortunately, I had some equity in my house. I think I told you this story, Peter. I, I kind of fibbed to the bank and I, and I, I said, hey, uh, I'm going to build a pool in my backyard. Can you can you spot me a hundred grand? And uh, they did. That's so, a hell yeah. of a pool. <laughs> yeah, so... 
anyway, yeah, uh, 20 years on the ground, uh, doing it all, changing cups, raking bunkers. Uh, what I miss the most, definitely the most, is the camaraderie with staff, uh, especially the younger guys. I had a, I had a uh, Southern Illinois University. I'd have five to seven college kids that would come work for me every summer in St. Clair, and those guys were just, I miss that. My old buddy Gordon Wittavine uh, from up in Toronto. He used yeah. to he used to hire the young guys or the young girls. He hired a lot of girls yeah. back in the day because yeah. um, they kept him young. Correct, correct. Which is awesome. So, yeah. yeah, you and I di diverge a little bit in the beginnings of our businesses, where I didn't come right. up with a hundred grand. I I started with the twenty dollar bill in my wallet. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, a little bit more skin in the game. So, but that's yeah, our, sure. that's all right. That's good. Kept the debt load down. Yeah, yeah. So in your list, you said you took a risk on Greens Pro. How did yeah. the risk sit with you and Christy? Because, you know, she she's important too. I'll tell you what, that one, shoot, she, she, she's been my biggest fan since the get-go. And uh, I think Christy was certainly more tolerant to risk to me. Maybe I was a little more conservative. We had a couple failed businesses along the way. Uh, had spent some money to try to get some things going that didn't necessarily work out. Uh, but I felt that with the group I was going to go into business with, uh, two of the guys were very, very experienced sales guys in the industry. And the most critical guy in the group was a guy named Jeff Baxter, who was the uh, CFO, CPA, uh, kind of the guy that ran the business. And as much as I'd love to tell you I'm some amazing business owner, it's I'm more of a uh, I'm a better sales guy than I am a business guy. But we had a we had a numbers guy that effectively knew how to run a business, and that has been critical uh, for our success. Now that's not Jeff Skunk Baxter. No, from the Doobie Brothers. No, 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 no. This is just uh, this is <laughs> it's just Jeff. He's uh he, he's um extremely it's so critical in our business in fact he's the uh i say jeff pulls the levers and you know he allows uh sales guys to sell and then he takes care of the uh uh you know dots the eyes and, and crosses the t's so he, he doesn't isn't that the best thing about a team though when you can take individuals that each have their own uh talents and and areas of expertise and just let them run yeah no it is. It is. And we've been fortunate. Uh, you know, we don't have a majority owner. Uh, so, you know, I think the book I would write would be called 51% because you can, you can make all those decisions as a, as a majority owner, but uh, you know, we, we've been able to get along uh, and it hasn't been easy all the time, but uh, we've been able to get us, get aside some differences and, and be able to be successful now for uh, 12 years in, in September. So. Well, in a lot of ways, it's like having two marriages. You're right. You're right. I work a lot, Peter, as, as I know you did along the way. It, it, it takes no time doubt. and effort. Yeah, no doubt. So. Well, it redefines your work ethic. Right. You know, right. The, the first thing that I noticed was that the clock goes out the window. Correct. You know, you don't, you just don't pay attention to time and you become very task oriented in that okay, I've got X number of hours left until whatever time it is to get this thing done. Right. And it's a whole different way of looking at things. It is. It is. Next on your list, learned in quotes, guitar. Does that mean that you're, 
you're not there yet or you're obviously everybody's still think, learning but there's no way and you play a little guitar peter there is no way i'll ever uh be an accomplished guitar player it is i always the two hardest things in my life number one and being a parent number one and then number two learning guitar is so difficult uh i just uh I tried doing some guitar theory early. Uh, you know, I started when I was 38, 39. I'm 52 right now. So I've been playing, you know, 13, 14 years. Uh, guitar theory wasn't working. Uh, so I just started doing what everybody can do right now. I'd get on the computer and I would, uh, I would find songs that I'd want to play. I would practice bar chords. I would practice chords. I'd try to do a little bit of scales. Uh, but my success really has to do with Christie's unbelievable ability to just understand music and sing and help me with progressions, help me with, uh, you know, things like that. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely have a, a long way to go playing guitar. Uh, and I've never claimed to be Eddie Van Halen, but uh, it's, I, I love it so much. It's the second most organic thing I've ever done in my life. So anyway. Well, you're good enough to fool everybody. I do. I do have, I do have, I can fool you for a while. And then, uh, throw in Christy. Uh, but you know, we have our, you know, we have our spots, you know, Christy and I are an excellent background band. Uh, you know, if you're having a rehearsal dinner and you want some Fleetwood Mac in the background, uh, but we're, we're not a party band. We're not a dance band. Uh, but the other thing we do well is the last hour of most shows when people have had a few, cocktails you know we got some 80s hits that we could bring out or some early 90s stuff that we can have some fun so it's been it's been great and you i think i read or perhaps we spoke you said that you you play up upwards of 200 gigs a year is that right well pre-covid uh, i think our record was like i think it was almost 180 175 uh and that was uh that was a bit much Post COVID, I think we played a hundred times last year and then we'll probably play a hundred this year. So, you know, twice a week, you know, playing guitar is a lot like golf. You, you gotta, you gotta get those rotations. You can't, uh, you gotta, you gotta have that thing in your hands. I have it in my hands every day, but to go out and play for three or four hours, which is typically what we play. I mean, that's a lot of songs. Uh, you can't, you can't set it down. So, uh, I like playing twice a week. Um, I think what's changing is we're trying to get away from the bar scene that, that, uh, that nine to 12 gig. I, I like the five to eight or the seven to 10, you know, that that's where I need to be. You're getting old. <laughs> that's right. That's right, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been a blast, man. I can, I can talk guitar and music forever. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I was 60 when I started and yeah. I'm, uh, I've, only in the summer do I have an opportunity to play with other people. And that's huge right. in yeah. terms of progressing. Yeah. Um, and Kermit here just cannot sing. So I wish yep. I wish I could. So well, yeah, tip, tip of the hat to you for that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I tell people all the time. I say, if you want to learn guitar, first thing you got to do is have somebody who can sing for you. So that's the way to do it. There you so, go. Yeah. Next on the list, yeah. took a risk on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, Christy and I talk about that a lot. Uh, this was right at the lockdown and the goofiest song ever was, it was a share song called, do you believe in love? 
I have no idea why that was the first song, uh, but I don't know, brave or dumb, whatever you want to call it. I posted it on Twitter and it got just a little bit of traction. Again, this is, I had a hundred followers back then, but somehow whatever the algorithm was, it got a little bit of traction. And my business partner, Jeff Baxter, during a lockdown said, Hey man, you ought to just do, you ought to just do a song a night until this thing is over. And sure enough, you know, kind of that's what we did. Uh, and it just went over really well, uh, which gave me, you know, a little bit of confidence, you, you know, with, with that. And that was a risk. I feel like the, the sales videos uh, and some of the other things I've done have, have been a little more risky because uh, it's, it's quite easy for me to play guitar, honestly, while Christy sings. It's really not that hard. But the other stuff had required some thought, uh, required balancing between offending people and, and laughter, uh, uh, making fun of myself, making fun of superintendents, uh, you know, all those things. Uh, that's where I think there was, there's been a little bit more risk with the Twitter thing uh, as far as the sales guy thing. But, uh, but the crazy part, Peter, is that risk, you know, I've been able to meet yourself included um, and do all these things that I never, I never thought were possible. I was able to expand that circle of people beyond St. Louis. And that's been the, that's been the most amazing thing. So it's a lot, sorry. Yeah, no. Hey, so your, your risk then was more with the sales guy videos than, than the, the music yeah. stuff. And there's always the, you know, anytime you, you get off on, you know, or you move off in that direction, you've got the, the potential to step on somebody's toes Correct. or piss, piss somebody off oh, yeah. or yeah. whatever. But, you know, I, I think you, you did it very well. I didn't study everyone, but to, yeah. to yeah. dissect it, to see if there was, um, you know, something objectionable, but then, Hey, you know, it is what it is. And, and you're just hanging yourself out there and making people think, I mean, so far as I'm concerned, that's, that's part of it. And right. as one who trained quite a few salespeople over the years, right. Um, there's a lot of guys don't automatically get it right out of the gate. And a lot of a lot of people think that you know the turf sales is just riding around in a truck and write writing orders. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, it's really not. It's a lot more than that. I would completely agree. Yeah. Next on your list, you made friends worldwide, which you've uh, touched on. I understand you've been in contact with my new buddy Stuart uh, Butler over in England. He's got you on his radar too. It's it's crazy. I would never have. Uh, it all kind of peaked at that Carolina show, Peter. Uh, it was like the best high school reunion I had ever been to with guys I didn't go to high school with. I mean, every time or, I turned the corner. Yeah. guys you've never met before. Exactly. And everybody was just so, I think everybody was so happy to physically be together at that point. And that particular group of uh, men, women in that association are so kind and so ingratiating. Tim Krieger, wonderful. 
uh, that entire board that agreed to have us out there for that week. Uh, but it's strange as much as I think Twitter can be a disconnect and, and could be, you know, it can be depressing at times and you get on there and it's nasty and ugly. I've been fortunate at this point. No, and so is Christy that it's been nothing but love. Uh, and uh, that is probably the most surprising, you know, result of, of this whole goofiness on Twitter. I think that if you limit, in my experience anyway, if you limit your your sphere within Twitter to primarily the turf guys, and and I have a couple of accounts, I have the TurfNet account, but I also have right. my own account, which I follow, you know, a lot of guitar and music stuff and, right. and things like that. But I stay away from the negativity, and I, you know, uh, I think the. Um, that very unfortunate fire out at Oakland Hills the other day, I made the mistake of looking at some of the uh, comments right. from the great unwashed. These were not from, some of them were from the turf industry, but most sure. of them were uh, from without. And the negativity and the, you know, yeah. uh, it's just a bunch of rich white guys, you know, who cares and all this kind of stuff. It was, it's just disheartening It is to me. So I stay away from that. Right. Right. Okay. Last one on the list, played the coolest gig ever. <laughs> now, yeah. this, this was the, uh, the last uh, hurrah at, at the GCSA conference, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it really was, uh, you know, it all started with, with John Riley down at Longboat Key. So yeah. thank you that John brought us down there. We Turf played. monkey boy. That's correct. Yeah, and it, <laughs> yeah, it was a ton of fun, and he is... He is a piece of work. I mean, John is an extremely, extremely in, intelligent, dedicated individual, you know, hung out with his wife, got to play the golf course. Uh, it was wonderful. And then, of course, you know, we went and played in South Carolina, played on the beach there with the, the Carolinas Association and just the hospitality, the kindness, wonderful. And then, you know, this closing ceremony thing kind of came up in November, uh, uh, Shalia Finney had kind of reached out to me and asked if Christy and I would be interested in coming down to do that. And, uh, I said, sure. Uh, she says, Hey, we're going to recognize another musical artist as the old Tom Morris award winner. And I'm like, Oh God, who's it going to be? So I thought it was going to be maybe, you know, uh, Justin Timberlake. I thought it might be Darius Rucker. Uh, who else? Willie James Nelson. Hensling. Well, exactly. Will. <laughs> Willie Nelson, I gotta, I'll tell you a story about James. Willie Nelson uh, was another guy, but it ended up being Vince Gill, which, you know, it was fantastic. But uh, that whole... I understand, I understand he was crushed when you didn't let him play with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Vince Gill could pick me out of a lineup. In fact, I know, I know he couldn't. But uh, it was crazy. We were walking along the pier that day and, you know, we're getting ready for this thing. You get there on Monday, we're going to play Friday. So the whole time I'm waiting to get this gig done and we're watching like 35 people set this stage up, you know, Thursday morning. And that's kind of when I got a little bit of a, a little bit of a butterfly, uh, but little anytime, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime you can play a gig where all you got to do is plug in your guitar to me, you've made it. So, uh, but it was really, really cool. And, uh, 
obviously I got to, again, I got to meet more people and James Hempling was one of them. Uh, if, if you got a moment, I, I could tell you the coolest James Hempling story ever. Um, he had reached out when we did that going to Carolina, you're going to California video, the Zeppelin song. I don't know if you've seen that. It's going to be the lead in on this. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we talk on like a Monday. It's like Monday at four o'clock, uh, which would be two o'clock his time. And then on Tuesday, I'm going to drive to Columbia. So I'm driving to Columbia, Missouri on Tuesday. This is almost, I'd say 12 to 14 hours later. In 12 hours, James had played all three parts, the guitar, the lead guitar, and the mandolin, and had taped it and sent it to me. And it was just him playing the music. And I'm not kidding. I, I started crying because I was so blown away that, that he could do that so quickly. Guitar is a struggle for me. And, and clearly James, the crazy part about music is that here, here I am being recognized. I'm a hack guitarist. Christy's amazing. And then James Hempfling is unbelievable at guitar. So anyway. He's going to be a guest on, on this also. Apparently oh, he, you has gotta a, have he has a story to tell as well. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah that's cool. Uh, but you recorded that like six months ago or something, correct? Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't just prior to going to no. San Diego. Yeah, that was kind of a re-release. Uh, and it was a ton of fun to do, uh, as most of those videos are there. It's just great. Yeah. So let's wrap this up yeah. with just a few thoughts about um, who would have thought. Yeah. You know, go, go, just go back two years. Mm -hmm. I always, I like to, um, I, I think people used to say, well, you know, where's my life going to be in 10 years and 15 years? And I've always encouraged people to let's throttle that back to about five years. Well, in today's right. day and age, it's about six months. Right. Um, but let's just go back, back two years. Mm -hmm. And uh, how has your life changed? I think, I don't, I don't know. I, th I think it's just made me think kind of outside the box. Uh, I was talking to a guy last night. We went to a, a post COVID Christmas party last night. And he says, you know, if you could redo Greenspro over again, you know, what would you change? Uh, I had no idea of the power of social media until this last two years. Uh, no idea that that you could grow your business if you wanted to grow your business, make friends, network, uh, just the whole hat thing, Peter. It's it's crazy to think that I got people in England wearing a Greenspro hat, people in Thailand wearing a Greenspro hat, people all throughout the continental United States. Uh, but you've got quite a collection yourself. I, I do. It's crazy, but uh, I I think. Probably what I would tell you is that it kind of, it kind of, it gave me hope. Uh, there's good people in this world. You just don't, you just don't see it. And, and, and the overwhelmingly friendly, kind, supportive response uh, that we have gotten through the music and the nitwittery, it's, it's been a blessing. So I think that's been a big change. My outlook, 
Uh, and then again, Peter, you talk about it. Sometimes you, you throw yourself out there, you take a risk and sometimes it hits and, 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 you know, it's been, it's been fun. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, you know, I don't know if you know, uh, I think about it all the time. Sean Rehorn, his, his bio says, uh, uh, social media is not real life and, and it's not at all. Uh, but it's been a ton of fun, buddy. I will tell you, it's been a ton of fun, uh, doing, doing these things. So been very blessed well social media may not be life but it's a it's a thread in that tapestry yeah. of life <laughs> yeah if I you will and and you've been an ace at uh doing it as a gentleman and and with christy and doing a great job with it yeah. and i'm sure you're you're uh, you're better off personally because of it but i'm sure your business is better off um but that uh those are uh are not necessarily the big uh, the big pluses to be enjoyed. I think that your uh, your status in the industry now again as the uh, the most interesting man in turf. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, question about your hat collection. Are you going to be yeah. like like Clapton who who has an auction at some point, or like Vince Gill? You ever see his guitar collection? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh... have, have a hat auction. Yeah, the hat thing's a little crazy, uh, but it's been fun. It's been a ton of but fun. That, you know, that's another way that you've you've sort of stitched the stitched people together, if you will, or, or given them a way to and a reason to uh, interact with one another during right. these last couple of years that have just been uh, horrible yeah. in, in so yeah. many ways. I always got to give I got to give credit to Turfbeard. I saw him on the uh, I saw him on the floor in San Diego, and I, I blatantly stole his idea to to market the hat. So I always give him credit. I try to. There you go. So, yeah. All right. Good deal, Paul. Pleasure speaking with you. Congratulations on uh, and thank you for yeah. for the industry for all you've done for us and uh, carry on. But Peter, thanks for having me, man. It's been, it's been an honor, been a blessing, and then let's let's stay in touch and keep playing that guitar. Will do, eh? My piano too. Don't I forget. love it, brother. All right, man. We ought well. to do one of those those See? round the round the world things one of these days. See what you do is you you act like you're playing, and then you just have Hempling do all the work, and then we sound like we're brilliant. That's what you do. <laughs> Very good. All right, man. All right, Paul. Take care now. Next time. See you, brother. All right. Yeah.